say, I love you guys so much, and uh, I love our church, and uh, I hope you know that I mean that. I, I really love you guys, and uh, just thank you for who you are, and thank you for uh, just loving us, and thank you for being real. Love just having a home to come to and to be with every week where we can know this is our family, and this is the real deal, and uh, I pray that you would find freedom in this place, to be who you really are, and to really allow God to really change you. Not to come in here every week in pretense, but to come in here in truth and in honesty, and to really allow God to change you. So, I'm excited to go back to the Word with you today. We are going to be in Luke chapter 8, so if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 8. We're going to be diving back into the Gospel of Luke. Uh, We have been, for the last uh, six months, a little bit more, we have been in the Gospel of Luke and made it through chapter 7. You might be looking at the rest of the Gospel of Luke and going, well, if I'll be here three more years, I might hear the end of this. Um, What I have decided to do, uh, thanks to the the help of the worship planning team, we're going to be picking up the pace just a bit. Uh, I'm still going to take freedom to... Stop. If we need to take two or three weeks in a chapter, we're going to take two or three weeks in a chapter. My view is it's all the Word of God. No need to rush through it. It all can speak to us. But at the same time, I do want to consider the whole counsel of Scripture and the reality of our church is that a lot of us are only here for three or four years, and then you'll go somewhere else. And so I do. we are going to pick up the pace just a bit. And one thing we're going to be starting is a blog. Um, I don't even know who I am anymore. I'm going to be blogging. Um, this is not something that I would consider uh, a part of my everyday life, but I'm going to be starting to write some uh, and making that available to you online. The reason that we're doing that is, one reason is to provide some supplemental information for you and just content for you. If you want to dive deeper into Scripture each week with the things that we're talking about, this blog will be a resource for you to do that. It's also going to be a resource for you, uh, sections of Scripture that we might happen to pass over that I feel are really important to cover. If I choose not to cover them on a Sunday morning, I still want to get it to you. This blog will allow you to do that. So you'll be able to go on there and catch up, see things that we miss that uh, I really believe that are important for you to hear. So stay on the lookout. It's going to be linked in through our website, but uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 8 today. This is going to be our only week in Luke chapter 8. We'll start Luke chapter 9 next week, so you can read ahead, but Luke chapter 8 today. Carefully consider how you listen. Carefully consider how you listen. That's what we're talking about today. Carefully consider how you listen. Y'all, we live in a world that is like... I mean, more than ever, information is being pushed at us constantly. We call this information age, right? It is just being, it is pushed at us constantly. You are constantly dealing with constant communication. You, I can't hardly go to lunch with anybody anymore without there being interruptions in lunch because of a, somebody's phone buzz and they pick it out, Right? And they got to check what is going on on their phone. And you're sitting there with them, right? But they're talking to everybody else, even though they're sitting there with you. Y'all ever have that happen to you? I'm guilty of it at times. It drives me absolutely insane. My wife is nodding her head. I'm guilty. Um, I can be in the middle of conversations, and we've got all this information going on in our pockets now. 
And it's just screaming, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. And you're, you're constantly bombarded with a million different things going on all the time. You're driving down the road, focusing on the road. You're listening to the radio. A text comes in. You see the text. You've got billboards passing you by. You're looking at billboards. By the time you get to the destination, I'd be surprised if you even know what happened to you just then. Are you tracking? Anybody ever feel that way? You watch TV shows, and you've got commercial after commercial after commercial, and you sit there and you watch all of them. But at the end of them, marketing studies have shown you don't know what you just saw. It's just information being pushed at you. You're sitting there in class. You've got somebody talking to you. You've got the professor lecturing, and on your phone, you're checking the news. Information, 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 communication, right? Is anyone listening? I mean, you're posting all this stuff on Facebook, and I do too. Does anybody actually read that? They might glance at it, but do they remember it tomorrow? I just wonder if the information age is really all that good. Here's the point of this. In today's information age, when you're bombarded with information and people are constantly vying for your attention, tons of communication, one thing that, fear, that I'm scared of for you and I'm scared of for me, one thing that I fear is that the things that God is trying to communicate to us would get lost in the sea of information just like everything else that we come across. And that we just take it one in a million pieces of information when we hear what God is communicating. We take it just as everything else that's being communicated. And then essentially what that means is we don't really listen. It comes, it goes, and it's gone. It could be so easy for you to come in here Sunday after Sunday, hear the Word of God, for you to spend time in the Word, hear the Word of God, and it just be like another piece of information that just gets filtered through your mind and then out the other side. You must be careful how you listen. There is one person in the universe that when he communicates... You must listen up. You've got to listen up. Your life depends on it. And Jesus knows as we approach Luke chapter 8, he's got a huge crowd of followers around him. And he knows that people will flock to Jesus. People come in here on Sunday mornings and they listen, but they're not really listening. They hear, but they're not really hearing. And this weighs heavy on Jesus' heart. Because if you miss what God is communicating, you miss it all. And He loves you, and thus He wants to warn you and teach you. And He wants to teach me. How do we need to listen? So we go to Luke chapter 8. Everybody there? Verse, start in verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering... And people from town after town came to him. He said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, It withered away, 
because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell on good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus, standing there in a crowd, and he just tells a story. The story that we just read. We call it a parable. Jesus spoke a lot in parables. Why? Well, to blind truth from those who wouldn't, didn't want to hear it, but to reveal truth to those who are hungry for it. Thankfully, in this parable, Jesus goes on. Because a lot of people looked at him and go, uh, what? Y'all ever feel that when you approach the word sometimes? You need to sit with it. You need, it you, need, you need the Holy Spirit to illuminate what is going on. And so we continue. This is the uh moment that I was just telling you about. Verse 9. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, what does it mean, Jesus? I don't get it. Seeds, farmer, soil, I don't get this. What's the point? You are prophet, not a farmer. Verse 10, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables. So that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. So Jesus begins to explain the parable to us. And he said, the parable is this. You've got a farmer who goes out with seed, right? Did everybody get a seed this morning? Hopefully nobody ate it yet. I don't think it was that good. But you've got a seed. Farmer goes out with a seed and he begins to sow the seed. Now, Jesus explains this as well the seed. What is the seed? What is the seed, Jesus? The seed is the word of God. The one who sows the seed, the farmer, is one who communicates the word of God, like the Bible study teacher or the pastor or the preacher, or even the Holy Spirit. And as the seed is sown, It falls to the ground. The ground is your heart. The ground is you. And what Jesus is showing us here in a very, very simple way is when the Word of God is communicated and falls to you, There can be many things that happen within you. The fate of the seed 
is dependent on the heart of the hearer. The heart determines how you hear. The first seed, if you look back up, now he's going to explain the parable, okay? So we're going to look back at the, at the parable, and then we're going to look at his explanation, because they're paired up perfectly. So if you look back at verse 5, he says, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. So you've got the first seed, all right? I don't know if everybody can see this. If you can, good. But the first seed is sown. The farmer's out doing his thing. Well, one of the seeds that he sows falls outside of the field. And it hits this rocky path. A path that all the workers trample on day in and day out. Rock hard. Y'all ever been to a farm? You know these paths. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, just rock hard. Well, the farmer sows one of the seed, and one of the seeds goes out. And when it goes out, it finds soil that looks like this. Rock hard. Falls on the path goes nowhere because it can't get into the ground. Hard. No penetration. And the seed's just sitting there. And it's sitting there so long that eventually the birds of the air come and devour it. What does this mean? Jesus tells us. Look at verse 12. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. The point is this, folks. When the word goes out, when the word of God goes out, when God is communicating, sometimes it hits hearts that are rock solid. It doesn't even make it into the field. There's no chance of penetration. This looks like, in a Sunday morning, people who come in and sit here for an hour, 15 minutes, hour and a half, however long we go, hear the Word of God communicated, and it just essentially bounces off of you. You don't have ears to really hear it. You don't have eyes to truly see it. You don't have any desire to truly understand it. It just bounces, and it's just like, whatever. Or maybe you sit here, and the whole time you're sitting here, all you really care about is whether the Cardinals are going to start this person or that person. Or who just tweeted on your account or messaged you on Facebook. Or you're sitting here, and all you can think about is, oh, my word, is he going to keep preaching because I got a pot roast in the crock pot? Why are you laughing? You must have done that. And essentially what happens is nothing. You come in, you sit under the teaching of the Word of God. The seed goes out and when it hits you, it finds rock-solid heart. You're not paying attention. You're not trying to pay attention. You don't want to hear. You're not trying to hear. 
you have a great respect for Jesus maybe, and maybe even great respect for me, but you're not listening. You're not really listening. Just because you have two ears doesn't mean that you hear. Ask my wife. She knows it well. She can say things to me, and I just don't hear it. It's called selective hearing. Not that I select not to hear you, baby. Just because you sit and worship doesn't mean that you're hearing the Word of God. Just because you go to the Word of God in your quiet time for five or ten minutes every day doesn't mean that you're actually hearing the Word. Jesus says for a lot of people, the seed is sown and when it gets to you, it finds a hard heart. There's no penetration. And let me tell you, sometimes the reason there's no penetration is because it falls into the path that's trampled by men. You get out of the service, you start talking to people, they make you doubt what you heard. They make you doubt what you believe. You start listening to people who are skeptical, who are naysayers, who are critical. And they just trample your seed. They trample the seed of the precious Word of God. You allow room for the enemy to come in and snatch it up. And before there's ever any opportunity for you to really believe, it's gone. Y'all, this has happened to me so many times. I have sat under so many messages that today I can, with great brokenness, tell you, I don't have a clue what was communicated. Last week, I sat through a message. And I can tell you today, I was not listening. I know this happens. Jesus says it happens. And you've got to be careful of how you hear. I'm telling you, you can, you, can, you can leave this place today and go out to Chili's or wherever it is we're going to lunch, right? And have just sat here for an hour and a half and never have heard. You get to Chili's and it's just all gone. It's just all gone. Right? Am, am I the only one? Have y'all sat through my messages and you haven't heard? Everybody say yes, because I know good and well you have. Be careful how you hear. Is it because the seed is not good? No. The reason it's gone is because your heart was so hard and unwilling to listen that you did not hear it. And thus, enemy, the devil, came and snatched it away from you before you ever had chance to believe. Maybe it's the fact that you pay so much attention to everything else in worship besides the message itself. You look at me and you think, he looks silly today, right? Or there's, there's a misspelling on the slide. I can't believe he's going 40 minutes. That's normal. But it grieves me sometimes that people focus so much on all of the extra stuff except for the content itself. Everybody with me? Listen to the Word. The Word is trying to get in. Don't be a hard heart that keeps it out. Seed falls by the wayside. He says there's a second kind of response to communication of the word. Verse 6, in the parable we read this, And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away. 
because it had no moisture. If you look down at verse 13, we see the meaning of this. Jesus says, And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in the time of testing, fall away. The second kind of seed is like this. It's not quite as hard and packed as the first kind of seed. It's a little bit, it's got some room for penetration. But what happens to this seed is it goes into the rock, but it's just rock. Right after rain, you know that rocks can hold a little bit of moisture. But as soon as the sun comes out, because there's no good soil here for the seed to take root, what ends up happening? Moisture evaporates and the seed finds no room to grow. Jesus says in the same way, as the word of God is communicated and the seed goes out, it finds some of us in this place where initially it's received with joy. Oh God, thank you for your word. Yes, I like this. I'm all about this. I'm giving my life to Jesus. And you receive it with joy. And it goes a little bit. But as soon as testing comes, as soon as the sun meets full day, it's gone. You abandon it. You turn your back on it. It's as as if it never even came in. When you get to the the point where the rubber hits the road, it's received with joy initially, but when the rubber hits the road, not acting on that, definitely not going to live that. I want Jesus as my Savior, not as my Lord. And I'm telling you guys, there are a lot of people that attend church There are a lot of people who call themselves Christian, and this is just reality, who have made a decision at some point in their life to commit their life to Jesus, but live as if they'd never known Him. Let me tell you how I can spot this very easily. People who give a testimony like this, who I say, tell me about how you know Jesus. And the only thing they can ever talk about was some moment in the past, and they can never talk about what he's doing today. Those are folks who often are those who initially receive with joy, but there's no life in them presently. Everybody tracking with me? There are thousands and thousands of people who will be deceived on the last day According to Matthew chapter 7, they will look at Jesus and say, Lord, didn't we know you? And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. There are thousands of people, maybe millions of people who are deceived because they have made, they went down front, they made some decision, checked some card, went under the water, and thus that means you must be saved. But Jesus doesn't define salvation by a check of a card or baptism. He defines it by knowing you and you knowing him. There has to be life in you. Amen? And y'all, there are people who 
I'm just telling you because you, you, you stay around church circles and you know it. There are people who call themselves Christian, but there's no evidence of the Holy Spirit in their life, not at all. At one point in time, they were excited to call themselves a believer, but there's been no transformation. There's no evidence of fruit. There's nothing that says, I love Him, I know Him, and I worship Him. He's the most important thing to me. And Jesus says, you will know my disciples by their fruit. You don't know them by their initial decision. You know them because they abide in the vine. They remain with Him. And what happens is a lot of... Okay, you've got two choices. These people, this two things end up happening. When people receive it initially and then walk away. You're either going to drift into license or you're going to drift into legalism. All right, let me explain this. You're either going to drift into... You made a decision up front, but there's no real Holy... The Holy Spirit has not truly regenerated your heart. There's no true affection and love for Him. So thus... You drift into license. Just send it up. Hey, I'm saved. I made that decision a long time ago. I can live like I want to now. People find great assurance that they were baptized. You know why? You know, people who love their baptism, it's because they put all their hope in their baptism and not the fact that they actually are walking with Jesus. Don't equate baptism to salvation or commitment, initial commitment to Christ to salvation. Yes, that's how it begins, but it shouldn't be how you should hope in those things. No, you are saved through Jesus' life in you. And if his life is in you, he will keep you close to him. And when you sin, you're going to repent and come back. A lot of people receive it with joy and they walk away into a life of sin, never to darken the door again, except the Echo Christians, Easter, Christ, Easter Christmas only. Right? Echo. The other option is you drift into legalism. And there are a lot of people who come into churches week in and week out. What a sad existence this may be. They have no life in them, but yet they do the routine of religion. Every time they hear the word of God, they're looking at how it applies to somebody else. There's no life in them. It's just all about the religious game. Be careful how you hear. Your heart determines how you hear. There are some, the seed goes out, it's received with joy initially, but it's proven in the end to have found no root. Be careful how you hear. There's a third kind of seed. If you look at verse 7, Jesus says this, And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Verse 14, he explains, he says this, And as far as what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares, and the riches, and the pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. There's a third kind of seed. When it goes out, it's met by what Jesus says looks like something like this. It falls into a patch of soil. Imagine soil under here. 
There's soil, good soil here, but there's also thorns. There's also weeds. If you're not careful, what happens with weeds? They will overtake your pretty little flower bed, right? They will overtake the good soil and the good seed. Jesus says, as the seed is sown, as the word of God goes out, as God wants to communicate to you, as you sit here this morning, there are some of you who it'll hit soil, but the soil that it hits will be surrounded by thorns. And the thorns that Jesus describes are the thorns of the pleasures of this world and the riches of this world and the cares of this world. You see, the problem with the person that's described here with the thorns is that you commit to Jesus and you receive the word with excitement and you want to live the word and you try to live the word, but you're unwilling to let go of the world. You want to have your feet in both places. I want Jesus, so I come on Sundays and I want to hear the Word and I want to do the Word. But I, by golly, I want to stay in the world. And I still want to go out with my friends and I still want to, you know, I'm not, I like going out with my friends too. That's not evil. But what I'm saying is, you know the things that I'm talking about. Things that are displeasing to the Lord, that are obvious in His Word, they're displeasing to the Lord, they're of the flesh, they're of the world, culture screams at you to want these things. And this person who's among the thorns, it goes in soil, it's received by the soil, but what happens is the thorns are there. And there's unwillingness to to follow the command that says, do not be conformed to this world. There's reluctance. Oh, but... I still like my stuff, and I like collecting toys. And I still am worried about my money and providing for my family and saving up for retirement. And I still enjoy the sensation of being drunk with my friends. I still like looking at that stuff online. Ladies, I know that God provides security because of my relationship with Him, but I'm still looking for identity with men. So I'm going to keep doing this and try to do God thing too. And let me tell you, when you involve yourself in the world, when you allow any part of your heart to go to the world, What ends up happening is, initially, oh, it might seem fine that you can do both. But these thorns grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And eventually, Jesus says, not bear it, they choke the life out of the seed. The seed begins to grow, but the thorns come up and choke it, such that the plant dies and there's no fruitfulness. I'm telling you guys, I know this to be true because it happened in my life like this for a long time. I was a church attender, a really good Christian church attender before I was ever saved. So I know you can do this. And what was happening is I went to the church every single week. I loved to hear the word of God communicated. I received it. 
But I refused to let go of the sins that were holding me back. And eventually what happens is those sins grow and grow and grow. They will have more power over you than you them. Because you're not fully committed to the Lord and surrendered to Him. And they will choke the life out of the Word. Jesus says that some of you hear this way. You'll hear this word this morning, and then you go home. And you're unwilling, when the rubber hits the road, when when, when a decision must be made about where your affections go, you choose the world's pleasure over the pleasure of intimacy with God. You're trading intimacy with Jesus for something in the world. And you know that you're doing it. It might be related to school. It might be related to relationships, money, toys, pleasures. I don't know what, but you're trading whatever this intimacy with Jesus looks like, which is the most wonderful thing in the world. You're trading this for whatever you think you want in that moment. I know I shouldn't be looking at that stuff online, and I know that Jesus is better, but I just enjoy this. So at that moment, the thorns grow up, and they choke the life out of the very word that's living in you such to the point that you eventually die. You eventually die. And you think, I can't die, I'm saved. Well, the Bible speaks in such a way that says that if you walk that way, if you go to the world, the end of that road is death. There's no assurance of salvation if you're not walking with Jesus. That's the way the Bible talks. I understand people drift for a season, But there is no assurance of salvation if you are not living with Jesus and Him in you. Be careful how you hear. Your heart determines how you hear. But there's a fourth kind of seed. In verse 8 we see it. It says, And some seed fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things. He called out, He who has ears, let him hear. And then we go to verse 15 for his explanation. As for the, that and the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. The last type of soil that Jesus describes is the one that meets fertile ground. When the seed of the Word of God goes out, it meets soil that's ready for it to come in. That's willing for it to come in. That's receptive. That's excited. That's prepared. That's ready to nurture it, nourish it, provide life to it so that it can grow and take its full effect, which is fruitfulness, beauty, a life that truly represents God. In the same way, when the Word of God is communicated to us, for many, it finds good soil. It meets good soil. What does it mean to have a heart of good soil? Well, it says it in the Word. What's it say? They are those who, hearing the Word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, bearing fruit with Patience. Heart that actually can receive the word is an honest heart. It's not a heart that plays games and plays tricks with itself. Oh, I don't need to hear this word today. 
I'm fine. This area of my life is good. Right? How many times do you do that? Oh, he's preaching on this. I'm fine with that area. There's no change needed. I'm cool. No. Good soil is ready to receive with an honest heart. It means that you're saying, you know what, God? You're God and I'm not. And I know my heart is wicked. I know my heart is evil. And I know that I need your Holy Spirit to continue to change me until the day that I die. Every time the word goes out, God, I know that I need to be broken and honest before you because I'm not where I need to be. I know that you desire to change me, and I know that you can change me, and so I come today with an honest heart. I come saying, yeah, I messed up, and I need your help. Good soil comes with an honest heart and a good heart, a heart that is patient, holding fast to the word, not giving it away so quickly, not going to Chili's, after church and just being like, whatever, that was church. Good, good church service, okay, done with that, and never thinking about it again. No, the honest, the good heart holds on to the Word of God, and with patience, it produces fruit. Every single day, it's meditating on the Word of God, like Psalm 1 says, in the day and in the night, meditating, dwelling, contemplating on the Word of God, letting it take its full effect down into your soul. Letting it sit with you, letting it wrestle with you, You going through the process again and again of repentance and faith until it brings its desired effect, which is a transformed life by the Spirit of God. But so many times, let me just say this. Week after week after week, some of us come in and we listen to the Word of God on Sundays. Some of you are in Bible study. Some of you listen to podcasts and things online. Week after week after week. Let me tell you, I have responsibility in communicating the word rightly and faithfully and with articulation. Amen? I'm responsible for that. Every Bible teacher is. That's why James says, don't go trying to be a Bible teacher. Because <laughs> that puts you in another level of responsibility. I'm responsible for that. Our worship t- planning team is such a grace gift to us for this church. Four weeks before every service, we are talking about what is going to be preached. I know what I'm preaching five weeks from today. And I'm letting the words meditate and my heart, in preparation for five weeks from now. We've got a team of six people that sit around and think about four weeks before every Sunday to make sure we're being faithful to plan in a way that the Word of God can be lifted up, articulated, and that you can hear it. But let me tell you this. This parable in Luke chapter 8 puts just as much responsibility on you, the hearer, as it does on me, the teacher. If you walk away not hearing the word of God, yes, it could be me, but let me tell you, we are prayerfully engaging to make sure this is right every week, that it's held up high and it has room to go forth in the power of the Spirit. And if you're not hearing it, I know it could be me, so I'm not pointing the finger, but you have equal responsibility to hear as I do to teach. And if the word of God isn't taking root in your life, could it be that you are the sand or the rocks or the thorns? Could it be that when the word goes forth, you're not receiving it with good soil, and thus it's bearing no fruit in your life? It amazes me time and time again that I get into conversations with people, and I say, you remember when we talked about this back in blah, blah, blah? No. Right? It amazes me when I do this. Like last week, I couldn't tell you what I listened to. Listen, we're responsible for what we hear. When the word goes out, we become accountable for it. 
and I am scared to death that on the day of judgment, the Lord will look at me and say, didn't you know this? And I'll have to say, no, I didn't. And it's not because it wasn't communicated. It's because I didn't listen. You are responsible to hear the word of God. And the question is for you today, how are you hearing? How are you hearing? The Bible said, if this were statistics, the Bible would say that one in four would actually hear and receive the word in a way that it produced fruit. It's not statistics, so I can't make it statistics, but what I'm saying is it's guaranteed that as a teacher, I know that when I teach, a lot of you walk away every week and there's going to be no change affected in your life because you weren't truly listening. And that grieves me the most. You can ask Michelle on Saturdays. I just turn into this weird, we don't really do fun things on Saturday night much. I tried to do something fun last night and I wasn't much fun. Why? It's because I feel weighty with the responsibility of teaching the word and I feel weighty for you because the word is going out and I want you to hear it. And I'm praying for you. I wake up at the crack of dawn on Sunday. People are here setting up. What am I doing at the crack of dawn on Sunday? I'm praying for you that your heart might receive the word like good soil. This is a weighty thing. And I wonder if you come in here on Sundays saying this is weighty. My soul is at stake when I hear the word communicated. And I'm responsible to engage myself in what I'm hearing. This is not the Lord's hour. It's the Lord's day. Who cares how long we go? You're responsible for what you hear. Your heart determines what you hear. And I'm asking you now, where's your heart? When the word goes out, are you the trampled ground? Do you receive it with joy and then turn away? Is it choked out by things in this world that are more important to you than God? Or do you receive the word like a little child ready to receive anything from his parents? Oh, God, speak to me. Break my heart. I'm ready to receive it. I'm ready to contemplate it on it. God forbid that I would sit under the word and it not take effect in my life. God forbid that I would keep hearing week after week after week all of these things and all it is is information and there's never transformation. God forbid that for you. God forbid that for me. It's time to hear and not just listen. It's time to act and not just observe. Let me tell you, if you come into Sundays and Bible study ready to hear the Word of God, you will hear the Word of God. But if you come in just to be a spectator, to sit on the seat, ready for it to be done, all you'll ever do is observe, and you'll miss the joy of fruitfulness in your life. I'm pleading with you this morning. Hear the Word. Your heart determines how you hear. That's what I want you to walk away with. Your heart determines how you hear. You say, well, Barrett, how do I do that? I'm going to put on the blog this week. This will be your first assignment. Some tips by a guy named George Whitfield who lived in the 1700s, and he tells you how to prepare to hear the Word of God. It's awesome. You're responsible before you get here on Sundays to prepare yourself to hear the Word of God. If you walk away not, li- not taking anything away, it's likely because you weren't ready to hear. I want to do my work. You need to do your work. 
and let's together receive the word of God. Amen?